For the third year and counting, Richard Skipper has been celebrating the artists you love. Richard Skipper is all about celebrating life, art, and his guest body of work. Please join us while he showcases these diverse and talented individuals. Here's Richard Skipper. Happy Tuesday, everyone, and welcome to a very hot day here in New York. Wherever you are, I hope you're keeping cool. I understand it's hot everywhere in the country, but it's going to be even hotter here tonight because we have one of the hottest dancers around, and that's Gary Flannery. I am so thrilled that he's here tonight. It's also Book Lovers Day, and we're going to be giving away a very special book tonight, and I'll tell you a little bit about that in a few moments. But I always begin every show by asking who or what are you celebrating? And I'm celebrating the world of dance. I've always loved dance, dancers, everything about that world. But full disclosure, I was born with two left feet. So I'm very thrilled when I get to meet dancers, when I get to experience their world. I've done a lot of work over the years with a wonderful organization here in New York that I highly recommend that you get involved with. It's called Dancers Over 40. And we can talk a little bit about that a little bit later. Um, and you don't have to be over 40 to be a member. But in any case, tonight, it's all about Gary Flannery, and I am so thrilled. But before I bring him on, let's just get a sample of who and what he's about. Here he is. Gary, it's all about you tonight.
And that concludes our show for tonight, everyone. Thank you for joining so. <laughs> Hello there, uh, Gary. First of all, a few cup fingers, but that's <laughs> yes. Thank you for being here. And uh, I hope you don't mind my beginning the show by saying, Welcome to the show, Bull. I am the Bull. That's I right. Know you are. <laughs> Bob, Bob would, would scream that out from another room sometimes. It's like, Get the Bull, get him in here. How did that come about? How did uh, Bob Fossey, of course, you were the bull. Yeah. How did that name come about and how did it stick with you? Just work ethics. Um, he totally enjoyed my uh, persona in rehearsals, especially. And so he just kind of nicknamed me the bull. He's, he's, he used me to demonstrate everything usually to everyone uh, in all rehearsals. And um, and so he would just yell, you know, watch the bull. Where's the bull? Get him in here or something. Um, and sometimes it would be other people in another room doing weird steps that I didn't even know. And he'd still bring me in and show them how to do something. But. Well, that's so appropriate because each day I pick a word of the day and the word of the day is dependability. And obvious that word is so appropriate uh for our theme tonight and it as i mentioned it is book lovers day and i asked you if there was a particular book uh, that you suggested giving away tonight and of course you mentioned uh shirley mclean's uh dancing in the light and i want to tell you first not of that all she needs to sell more books or anything but what was that not that she needs to sell any more books but right. we will we're going to give away uh, a book tonight. Uh, uh, all you need to do is respond uh, with the word dependability. Um, I never saw Shirley MacLaine perform live, but I had tickets to see Shirley MacLaine and Frank Sinatra at Radio City Music Hall. Wow. And the day that we were scheduled to see the show, we got a call from Radio City Music Hall that Frank Sinatra had pneumonia and he never performed again. And it is one of the regrets of my life that I miss that performance. So you never saw Frank live either then? Either, either. Nope. And that, you know, they were doing this tour together, of course. And, mm -hmm. but there's so much to unravel here. And I well, want to go that, back. Frank, uh, Frank was almost as good a show as, as Shirley, as our show. But, uh, but Frank was great. You know, we would usually follow him into, into Caesar's Palace in Las Vegas with Shirley show and the rest is history. I mean, it was just amazing. So Gary, I always begin my shows with a surprise question, uh, just to, for the fun of it. And I haven't even looked at this question, so I don't even know what I'm about to ask you, believe it or not. But the question is, would you rather be the star player on a losing football team or ride the bench on a winning one? Very interesting question. <laughs> uh, I, I would be I would be hard pressed to give an answer to that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I always fashion myself, you know, on winning teams and and so I I had the liberty of actually picking and choosing many of the jobs that I worked on and and if I didn't think it was worthy then I wouldn't even uh, bother uh, so, so I I would be on the winning team. I wouldn't be on the bench long. I Good guarantee. for you. 
Please. Good for you. And then the other question is, it says, uh, we're, we're not going to, uh, it says take 10 minutes to identify what being a good person means to you. Uh, we're going to take an hour to talk about you being a good person because you've given so much to this business and this business has given a lot to you as well. Um, what do you feel um, is the greatest attributes that you've given to this business? And what do you feel are the best attributes the business have given to you? Let's start there tonight. Well, the bull was nicknamed because I'm a dancer. I am still a dancing machine. Um, I was trained by Balanchine and all the greatest uh, teachers in the history of the world of dance. Um, I Harkness Ballet and Juilliard as well. And so um, I danced eight to 10 hours a day from the time I was uh, 12 years old till like 16, 17 years old. And so dependability, yes. Um, and strength and determination as well. And so uh, those were key things. My father was a military man. And so I was brought up um, to sort of stay on the path and, and, um, and, and, and yet respect everyone and uh, my peers as well as my teachers. And, and that always stuck with me. And, and whatever I did, wherever I participated, I think people enjoyed uh, working with me and, and um, performing with me. If, uh, if your father was a military man, did you travel a lot as a family or did you have one uh, home base? What, did, what was your hometown? Where did you grow up? Yeah. Philadelphia, uh, Bucks County, uh, outside Philadelphia. Um, we were fortunate in that um, he had already fulfilled most of his military service, um, especially in World War II, uh, going through most of Europe with General Patton himself. Wow. He used to drive Patton around in a in on a mo Harley motorcycle. Wow! I guess when he was riding that big white horse or something. But anyway, um, <clears throat> uh, where was I again? Uh, that you grew up in Bucks County, uh, yeah, Pennsylvania. Right. And and so he he was then in the reserves. So really, he would just go away certain weekends and things. Um, but we we managed to stay stay put there, and um, and he was he was just a, a a godlike man. I mean, we had five four brothers and sisters, so five in our family, uh, and yet he took time you know out for for each of us in our activities, and uh, for me especially, I mean, from the time I was ten. 11 years old, I would be traveling back and forth in and out of Philadelphia into, into dance studios. Uh, and he'd make sure that I was, I was getting there and coming back. Uh, 11, 12 years old, I'm coming back at nine, 10 o'clock at night from dancing. And where did you fit in as, as brothers and sisters? Our oldest brother, youngest, where did you I fit in? Older brother and then younger brothers and sisters. Um, and um, and so my older brother, you know, went into um, the military. He didn't really want to, but he kind of partied too much and flunked out of Penn State. So 
he ended up going to Vietnam, and uh, and that was was not pretty, but uh, but uh, there was there was no way I was going in the military. So, <laughs> so um, how did it, uh, how did it begin for you? Uh, and I know that you won all kinds of scholarships at a very young age, yeah. and you also, you know, if I'm not mistaken, you also danced with the Mummers in uh, Philadelphia. Yes. Yes, I did. Um, I, I, again, was a dancing machine. I, I was, from the time I was five years old, I was, I was the star of, of the weddings and bar mitzvahs, whatever, you know, party was going on. I, I usually became, you know, one of the attractions. And, uh, and so various teachers that I had were involved with mummers. And, and so I participated several times in the Philadelphia Mummers Parade, and mm-hmm. um, and it was it was always just so much fun, and um, uh, and so I, I learned primarily, you know, to dance was was class was hard work, and uh, I I did have some performing opportunities as as a young man, but but very few and limited. Uh, I I just. I loved the classroom, and um, I always remember my teachers, even even at at school, American Ballet, Balanchine, uh, coming by and and seeing me at the bar, sweating and just pouring sweat and bullets, and I'm and I'm smiling and laughing, and 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 they'd look at me and they'd be like, "What the hell are you smiling?" At? <laughs> I love this. Like, I love this man. I love this, and he'd just shake his head and just walk along, you know, Andre Gletzky or someone and incredible. That would well, Gary, a lot of kids love to sing and dance and, you know, it's a lot of fun for them, but obviously there was a spark that you wanted something bigger than just doing it for the fun of it. There also happen, it has to be the teachers or someone that will go to your parents and say, this kid needs to pursue this. Who were those teachers? Who were those that went to your parents and said, he really needs to pursue this on a career path. No, I had I had several. Um, it, it it ended up being especially a woman in Germantown, Philadelphia, uh, Jean Williams, and she had guys on a fast track. Uh, Walter Painter, you know, a brilliant dancer and choreographer, uh, was from that's my school there, and and many many others and and. So they would come back into the studio and especially Walter with like a blonde on one arm and a redhead on the other. And, and he's just back from shooting another Shirley MacLaine movie or Elvis movie or whatever. And, 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 I, and we would teach us a little master class or something. And, and I was like, yeah, yeah, I can do this. <laughs> I can definitely do this. And, and they, and Jean especially, you know, then got me the first scholarship to the School of American Ballet. Um, and from there on, um, it was it was my work and decisions and listening to <clears throat> all the right people, uh, including <clears throat> Jerome Robbins that I would go and talk to at points and, and Anthony Tudor, I mean, just legends that- uh, Absolutely. That, that I would go and, and ask questions uh, to. And 
Um, and did you have a game plan of where you wanted to go? I mean, did you aspire at the time that you were starting out? Mm-hmm. Of course, there was uh, Hollywood uh, were doing big musicals. There were television spectaculars. Mm-hmm. Uh, Broadway, of course, was in its golden age and uh, the heyday. Did you know where you wanted to go in terms no. of what you wanted to do as a dancer? Yeah, not at first. You know, I was really set in my ballet and concert ways. Um, uh, right up through Balanchine, and then I worked with the Harkness Ballet, uh, and then I got the scholarship to Juilliard, um, and a full ballet scholarship. And so, uh, so I was still pretty intense on on that as a as a career even. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I started finding out that these these dancers in these companies are making like pennies, pennies. I mean, it was ridiculous, you know, what, what the companies were making. And, um, and the musical theater people are making a fortune. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, hmm, hmm. See, see, this, see all this jewelry? No, <laughs> <laughs> okay. no you know, I had uh, Charlotte Crossley on the show a couple of weeks ago, and she was one of the original Harlettes. And mm-hmm. when she heard what they were doing with Bette Midler, she thought, hmm, should I change the career path that I'm on? So what w- that was a deciding factor in terms of how you were going to change your path. Um, how did you turn things around for yourself? Well, uh, again, it kind of got turned around. I had been up in Canada uh, some time through all those years and had worked uh, with Le Grand Ballet in Montreal uh, but then this wonderful Canadian director choreographer, Alan Lund, uh, got a hold of me and threw me in this folk dance company, the Faux Filet, first of all, uh, and then with Anna Green Gables, the wonderful Canadian musical. Uh, and so uh, I'm making, you know, uh, I'm one of the leads in Anna Green Gables too, and so I'm making $600 a week in the mid, in 60, 68, 67. Mm-hmm. So, you know, these companies are paying $90 a week. American Ballet Theater is paying $110 a week. Martha Graham's paying $90 a week. You know, while I was at Juilliard, I was sneaking over and taking Graham classes, which I wasn't supposed to be doing because I was a ballet scholarship. Um, and so with Bertram Ross, who I just adored. And, and oh, I love Bertram. Yes. Oh, my goodness. And so... You know, I'm in there taking classes for free. Nobody charged me anything. I just walk in and walk <laughs> into class. And, and they were glad to see a guy anyway. And, and so um, Martha herself, you know, would come in and, and watch. And, and one day she pulled me out of class and, and she's like, you're mine. And I was like, I don't know, $90 a week for all that rolling around on the floor. I you know, I don't know, you know, and then Anne of Green Gables decided to go on this world tour, okay, while I was at Juilliard, um, and offered me $2,000 a week. This is 1970, okay, so I was like, bye, <laughs> decision made, you know, actually, I talked to Jerome Robbins for, for a, a while about it, and, and I said, well, you know, my concert dance career, I mean, you know, all these years and everything. He's like, 
Did you ever see West Side Story? They go, oh, you know, do you, you know who you're talking to here or something? <laughs> do you he know said, who you're talking to? Here? <laughs> Don't be a fool. Take the money and run, you know. Uh, so I left Juilliard, much to Martha Hill's dismay. Um, and, uh, and just, and my father's dismay as well. He, he wanted me to go to college and, and do all that. But, um, you know, at that point, I was making more than he was. And so, wow. yeah, touring the world. And uh, it, was, it was pretty much um, on from there. I, now, in I, the world of dance, was it any, I, this may seem like an odd question to ask, but, but was it any different than pursuing a career um, in the world of acting? Uh, do you have an agent? Do you have a manager? Uh, how are you finding work uh, in that world? Mm -hmm. uh, it, I, for most people, it's not that different. Um, but in the age that I grew up and worked in, um, there weren't a whole lot of, of my type around um, that was so well trained. And and all for quite a while, while I was at Juilliard, even, I was taking private voice lessons. And so I was keeping up with my vocal work and uh, knew that that was really the path that I wanted to go. Uh, I had already seen Bob Fosse's work. I saw the original Sweet Charity with Glenn Burden and um, snuck in to the theater several times to, to see that show. And, uh, and so I knew, you know, two things that I was going to go more into a musical theater career. And secondly, that I was gonna work with Bob Fosse someday. And so that became um, a real sort of challenge. And, 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 and for me, I auditioned once in a while, but, but then I just started having choreographers and, and directors and producers calling me up. Well, I was just about to ask you, last night I had Kurt Peterson on the show, and mm -hmm. I asked him, because if, if you believe, if, if I asked him, and I'm going to ask you the same question, if you believe in manifestation, because he really manifested that he wanted to do West Side Story, and mm -hmm. even though he could not hit that B flat up there, he opened, you know, in a Broadway, a Broadway revival of West Side Story. He was um, brilliant. I saw that. You know, and you saw it, and you also just said that you knew that you were going to work with Bob Fosse. Uh, your mind was made up, and that was the path that you were going to go on. Mm -hmm. Do you believe that you manifested that? Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I I believe in beliefs, you know, and and um, uh, fate has has its own wicked ways sometimes, but yet. Mm -hmm. Uh, if you if you follow the path and and work hard enough, then I think your goals can be achieved. And for me, um, Fosse became one of them. I auditioned for Pippin. Uh, it's kind of a funny story. I'll, I'll make it fairly brief. No, take your time. But um, I had ended up back in New York, and um, and I never got to see Pippin but they had an open call for one male dancer for the Broadway production of Pippin. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I went to the audition with 
thousand guys there. It was literally the cattle call. I mean, just I mean, everybody and their mother wanted to be in the show now. And what so, does that do for you psychologically when you show oh, up? Ready? I I bring it on. I mean, <laughs> good for you. I, I am the ultimate competitor, and God helped you if you ever had to compete against me. You know, and I always train my students that way as well. When you're so well versed and trained that there's nothing that they can't show you that you haven't done a uh, hundred times over, um, then, you know, you take that confidence in, into the audition. And I had all kinds of wild tricks and things that I would do, too. And um, uh, I, you know, first of all, I mean, all the guys would be in white and black. And, uh, you know, I'd be in purple. I'd be in a purple unitard with matching purple shoes. So it was like, you know, and I... And, and if the audition was at, at 8 in the morning, okay, I was there at 6 a.m., okay? So guess what? I had number one. I had number one, okay, on my shirt. So so now I'm number one, and I'm front and center, you know, where I, I planted myself, you know, for the audition. And, and I never had a choreographer, you know, director come in and, and not say, like, wow, look at you, man. You know, look at you. I was like, yeah, well, wait, you see me dance. You know, these guys can just go home. It's, it's okay. <laughs> Good for you. Huh. I love this. Yeah, but but for Bob, so now, of course, you know, I'm auditioning for Fosse. So, so we get cut down, down, down pretty quickly. Um, and it ends up, um, I'm singing, and I'm singing uh, Promises, Promises. So I start singing it, and... And he stops me almost right away. He's out in, in the house, you know, audience. And, and he stops and he's like, okay, this is an adult show, right? We're, we're good. So anyway, he says, I want you to sing that song again, but I want you to grab and play with yourself while you're doing it. I stood there. I was like, <laughs> I said, I beg your pardon? And he stood up and he's like, did you not hear what I said? I want you to start that song again and play with yourself. I was like, okay. <laughs> you know, I had no idea what the show was or what the show was about at that point. So I'm just like, okay. So he says five, six, and here I go. And I'm going, promises, promises. This is where I promise. And I'm rolling <laughs> around on the floor. And I'm like kicking my legs and I'm doing little butt, you know, pumps and things. And. And so he started roaring out in the audience. And, and um, he said, okay, okay, that's enough. So um, so while I didn't get the part because it was actually an a, a understudy, there was just it was just a swing that they were looking for, for the Broadway company. Can I interrupt you for just a moment? And, I, and forgive me, uh, but was he testing you to see how far you would go? Well, so what happens is that he um, had a part in mind for me right away, which was the noble, you know, which was Gene Foote's part with the big hat and the big cape. And all he did was play with himself through the whole show. <laughs> you know, he was the nobleman. So, and right in the beginning, especially, you know, you're sort of taunting the audience uh, and right down by the footlights. And, and, and I mean, we were saying... Absurd, really 
awful things to these people. <laughs> and they're sitting there going like, Henry, Henry, what's he talking about? <laughs> and so, um, so that's what Bob pulled me aside and he said, listen, I, you know, I, I don't want you to swing the show. I, I'm going to put this first touring company together and I want you to play this part of this noble. Um, so, and I, and he said, I, I want you to meet me at the theater tonight and, and watch the show with me. And, uh, and you'll see, you know, cause I told him, I said, I never saw the show. I don't know what the hell noble you're talking about. Um, so I went and, and saw the show with him um, and uh, then figured out, yeah, that was why he asked me to do that. And it was, it was pretty funny. But that was the one and only audition I ever actually did for Bob. And that was the beginning of a long relationship. So, yeah. And of course, you know, all that jazz uh, and, you know, and recently the uh, Bob Fosse, uh, Gwen Verdon miniseries. Has anyone ever captured him on uh, in these depictions, uh, these biopics? Uh, no, no, not even close. You know, I mean... The closest you're going to come, of course, is is all that jazz. I mean, which is as much a bio about him <laughs> as you could possibly get. And so we're living this this story every day that Bob is filming, and and it's it was about him and mm -hmm. all the things that happened to him. Uh, but no, the miniseries I did not care for. Um, for a lot of reasons, uh, especially the guy. It was like, you know, the first thing I said when I saw this picture of him, you know, with her looking over his shoulder and stuff, you know, and and I and I said, which they didn't really like me saying on Facebook, I said, you know, funny, I don't remember Bob Fosse ever having that blank look on his face. Mm. Oh, well, I heard it after that. I was like, oh, you know. Guess I shouldn't have said that, but um, but it was true, you know. That Bob Bob was was so brilliant, and and while he sat there, you could just see the mind just like clicking away all the time, you know, and um, and the focus was was just so incredible, and, and he and he drilled that into Roy Scheider, which was absolutely amazing, because the guy never danced a day in his life. And he came in there, you know, accepting this role to play Bob Fosse himself. And, and it's oh, just God, an amazing performance. It is. They, he should have won the award. Fosse should have won all the friggin' awards for that movie, um, except it got a little bit too bizarre for a lot of people, I think. Um, well, but, I mean, you did do a lot of uh, film and television. Was it an easy transition for you to go from stage work uh, to film and television? Sure, absolutely. Um, again, it was it was discipline, and um, uh, you know, you, you just uh, it was a lot slower pace, and and I hated the idea that that some of the stuff I was doing was going to get cut. I mean, I I actually signed a featured principal contract for for all that jazz. I had twenty eight lines in the movie. I had little scenes with Rose, and it all got cut. You know, I ended up saying, my name is Gary. And that, and that was like it, <laughs> you know, in the erotica number. But, um, uh, but the, the male adagio that we did in, in that 
number is, is just truly one of the most spectacular things I ever did. Um, and one of the most spectacular things that, that um, uh, what's his name now? Uh, the, the producer from Columbia, Daniel Melnick. Um, and, and so Melnick was around our filming quite often, watching the dailies. And so when we shot the male adagio and those dance belts and stuff, um, he came up to me the next morning and he said, son, I, I've never seen anything like that on film in my life. He's like, you look like a Greek god come to life. And, mm. and just really absolutely incredible, you know, what, what Bob is doing here. And I was like, yeah, yes, sir. That's right. <laughs> You mentioned something earlier I want to go back to. I want to know what when that transition period happened, when you started getting the calls, when you had that name where people started reaching out to you saying, we want you for this project. Uh, yeah. There comes a point in a person's life, if you're lucky enough, such as you've been, where they start reaching out to you for the projects. Mm -hmm. When did that begin to happen for you? I'm pretty much right there with, with Bob. Um, while I was, I did the first tour of Pippin, and then I came back and he put me into the Broadway company of Pippin. And so while I was there doing that, Sheridan McLean came into town. And it was, it's another long story, but, but I ended up auditioning. time. I love these stories. I auditioned for her for this Gypsy in My Soul special, TV special. And I was the last one taken because they had none of my friends i was out of town doing a gig up in boston um with 17 magazine and none of my friends you know told me about this shirley mclean gig coming into town and so um so i came in uh late finishing this gig up in boston okay came in got into my bed at like four o'clock in the morning okay 6 a.m there's a call from my a friend of mine adam gradness uh rest in peace and 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 he's like what are you doing i was like adam i just freaking laid down okay i just got back he's like listen shirley mclean wants to see you you know we're uptown right now i was like you're out of your freaking mind what are you talking <laughs> about <laughs> and he said no really grab your stuff and get up to the nbc studios on 57th street they want to see you now. I was like, sure. Okay, I'll kill you. I will kill you if you're joking. So I grab my stuff, you know, run up to 57th Street, go into the front, and the security is like, oh, yes, Mr. Flannery. Okay, they're waiting for you upstairs in second floor 208 or whatever. So I was like, wow, okay. And it's still only like 7 in the morning. So I go up to room 208. I open the door. Oh, my God. I mean, everybody in freaking New York City, you know, is in this room. Everyone from Shirley to, you know, Lucille Ball, Liza Minnelli, Bob Fosse, and all these dancers, Fred Ebb, Cy Coleman. All A lot them. of people aspiring to be in the business. You're yeah, mentioning. They were, they were <laughs> much these stars of the business. And yes, so, of course. So, so now they decide that I'm going to dance and audition in front of everybody right then and there. And Tony Charmley, you know, rest his soul. Yes. You know, wonderful. Yes. Um, gave me this little combination right away to do, you know. And 
and the hustle. So I picked it up and the step kick, step pull, turn, turn, chasse, chasse, you know. I was like, really? This is a joke. So so I did it and and then the second time I did it by myself, um, and everybody was screaming and yelling and and um and so I finished it perfect and and Shirley came over to me, she's like, Who taught you that number? And I was like, that little man over there is like, oh, step, turn, step, push, and turn, turn, back, back, back. And and she's like, God, I've never seen anybody, you know, pick up like that before. You're hired. You're done. You know, so so I got the gig. And then out of all the dancers, um, you know, uh, Adam Gramitz and I were chosen to do this tour for her. Uh, and I was still doing Pippin at the time on Broadway. And so she stole me away. She stole me away from Bob, and he almost never forgave her, you know, because um, I think he knew and had big plans for me. And well, was- Leroy Reams, uh, the same thing happened with him. Julia Prowse took him out of uh, Sweet Charity. Yep. <laughs> yep. Oh yeah, those girls where they 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 had some pull and and they they had great shows. Juliet's show was just magnificent as well. As Anne Margaret's and and so um, so Shirley's tour was only supposed to be three months, but it was a month in Monte Carlo, a month in London, and a month in in Paris. So it's like fine, okay, twist my arm, I'll I'll go, and um, I'm making a fortune, you know, and and so by the time we finished halfway through Monte Carlo, as a guest of Princess Grace. And I'm in a suite in the Hotel de Paris for a month. That was like insane. So, so they had already booked like a year and a half onto this tour, and I'm like, okay, I'm never going to see my New York apartment again. I'm never going to see Bob Fosse again. You know, whatever. But, um, but I call it the dream tour. There's never been anything like it in the history of the world. We broke 38 box office records around the world, and performed everywhere from Kennedy Center Opera House to Sydney Opera House, just blowing the doors off of these these shows. Shirley's making $500,000 a week. Gary, I went on YouTube and I watched those specials. I watched the the orchestrations, the choreography, the everything that went into those productions. Do you think that we will ever see those types of productions ever again? I'm not sure. You know, I wouldn't say never. We we never say never. But yet, uh, it was a very special time, and and we had some of the the greatest. Uh, I mean, Bob Fosse hired Fellini, cinematographer and stuff, to work on all that jazz. You know, Shirley's act was built by Fred Ebb and Cy Coleman. Mm-hmm. So I mean. You know, it, it's it's hard to to match the, that kind of talent, and especially you know, incorporating it into into one show. Um, and our show, Shirley's show, was was magnificent. I'm sorry you didn't get to see us at the palace. Oh, oh God. my God! Well, uh, my I mean, my soul. I remember uh, watching it the night it aired. You know, I I was just glued to the TV. It was such an incredible special, and right. I miss those specials. We don't have anything like that anymore. Yeah, no, no, there really isn't. And and 
and and it's sad. It's a shame. You know, we we we've lost some wonderful Alan Johnson, Tony, you know, Tony Stevens, and you know that newer generation, Michael Peters and stuff. So you know, you had the older generation, and they and they really gave us some wonderful uh, work and 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 a path. And then and then you had a lot of these wonderful younger choreographers, uh, as I just mentioned, and uh, and then so many of them passed away so soon. And I know, we, I know. We just lost them, and I think we lost our our future with them. We certainly and, did. Yeah. Uh, I want to ask you um, because when I think about you, just mentioned Psychoman and Kander and Ebb and. Uh, and all of these incredible talents. Um, to me, it's all about the collaboration and all of these talents coming together to create this. And, you know, and again, going back to my word of the day, dependability, um, and the people that you've been able to depend on uh, in your career and the collaborative process. Um, who are those people that you feel as you look back on your career and your career is still going strong uh, mm -hmm. You're a director, you're a producer, uh, you're a choreographer, all these hats you still wear. Out of all the hats that you've worn in this business, two-part question, which of those hats do you feel that you wear the most comfortably? Uh, and who are the people along the way that you've been able to depend on the most in this business? Well, it was those two, Bob Fossey and Shirley MacLaine. Uh, and I only found out recently from Shirley's long-time company manager and, and agent um, that she, Bob was constantly calling her in the middle of our tour saying, I need him. I want him to do this. I want this. He, he wanted me to do the Lies with the Z special. He wanted me to do Chicago. He wanted me to do dancing. I, I was the first one that he ever even called about to do dancing on Broadway. And she's like, no. No, you can't have. Well, with Shirley, you talk about dependability. There was a, it ended up only being two of us, two guys. We had no understudies or standbys. So the the book of Shirley's um, Dancing in the Light explains this weird circumstance that happened, um, where I showed up at one of their performances five years after I had left her, um, and Mark that was. Uh, hired to replace me, uh, ended up breaking his ankle, shattering his, his, his leg, and and I'm there for the for this second show of a matinee day. So he breaks it at the end of the first show. He's gone. They put a full leg cast on him. Shirley is is an hour late coming back to the theater because it had been daylight savings or whatever the day before. So now she's been rushed into the theater at five minutes to curtain. Okay. By this point, I'm backstage <laughs> and and they're starting to put costumes on me and everything, you know, and all these Bob Mackie costumes that Mackie himself had hand fit on me myself. And um, and so Shirley runs in, they're like, hi, oh God, it's, it's great to see you. She's like, Are you going on? Like Shirley, Shirley. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, I'm just wearing the costumes. It's like I mean, <laughs> five minutes, you know, five years. I, I said, not even I can do this. I said, you know, there's, there's six numbers in this show that I haven't done in 
a long time. There's five new numbers. So what am I going to do? Just go out there and jump around like a nut? I said, uh, I'll watch the whole show tonight and then go home, grab my stuff, come back and learn everything in the morning and I'll go on tomorrow night. But I, I just, I can't go out there tonight. I, I mean, not even I can do this. And so Shirley explains that, you know, what happened. And and even in the book, she says, um, and when I saw Gary, I knew everything was going to be okay. It was going to mm-hmm. be all right. And so there's the dependability. It was, we never missed a show, the two of us, Larry Vickers and myself. We never missed a show in two and a half years with her. Wow, that's a beautiful story. Um, I've got a question from uh, my friend Danielle. And she said she's curious, did Shirley have uh, any of you do any energy practices behind the scenes before or after the shows? Very rarely. Um, she uh, she controlled the media and they could have cared less about us pretty much. It was it was Shirley's act um, and all pretty much was billed as a one woman show. Mm-hmm was it it was the one woman show so who in the hell were we anyway i think what she means is that were there any rituals that you did before or after the show you know in preparation for the show oh well not so much you know shirley really had um a very tight sort of um we carried a mini orchestra around with us and then we would pick up a full symphony orchestra in the city that we would go to Mm -hmm. Uh, but uh, other than sound checks and and things to make sure you know all of the tech was running correctly, um, we never really did much of anything. Uh, I, at one point, I partnered Shirley in the one number, and and we just do this little dosy dough, and then she turns out, and I grab her arm and pull her back in. You know, well, she would get dramatic, you know, during this little twist sometime, and. And would like hide her hand and, and like bury her hand in her side or something. So I couldn't get her hand. So I'd have to grab her whole body by the waist and like pull her back in and stuff. Oh, and then that would be it. Then, then <laughs> they, you know, Michael Flowers, you know, the company manager would say, um, Shirley wants to practice the hand. I was like, not the hand, Michael, not the hand. Shirley, Shirley wants to practice the hand. I partnered, I partnered Barishnikov's, you know, I trained Barishnikov's partners, everyone from Gelsey Kirkland to the, this beautiful little girl at Harkness and, 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 and now Shirley wants to practice the hand. Wow. And uh, here you, uh, well, I just. Mark, you know, who replaced me is up in the front. There yeah. In this. Yeah. Uh, well, but that's one of the Fosse numbers that I created for the show. Uh, which was really exciting. And, and then I love this photograph here. And you're actually going to give away an autographed copy of this tonight, in addition uh, to the book that we're giving away. And I'm going to bring this up on screen. Um, I'm going to remove this here. Um, I've got some wind down questions to ask you, uh, just to give everyone a, a fun sense of you as we wind down tonight. I want you to come back. I want you to come back once a week. I could go on and on and on with you. I just love you, Gary. Yeah, thank you uh, so you're much. just so much fun to have here. Um, the um, the first question I'm going to ask you is, what was the easiest choice 
that you ever made in your career? Working with Bob Fosse. Wow. It was, it, it became uh, pretty much uh, the ultimate learning experience. I mean, this is, this is the greatest director and choreographer in, in the history of show business. And so it was a, it was a pretty easy decision uh, to continue to work with him. And, and um, I only left because I decided to get married and raise a family. Wow. Well, but he didn't leave in the, even then. They kept calling me and calling. He, they did this Pippin, you know, video. You got to come and do the Pippin video for us. I was like, no, stop calling me. <laughs> um, if you were to think of a through line through your career, what would that through line be? Dancing machine. Dancing machine. The bull. The bull, the dancing machine. I just... Uh, you know, I, I I didn't even get enough of dancing and rehearsals enough. Uh, as you saw, I ended up being in my school track hall of fame. Um, mm -hmm. so I used to go out and run five to ten miles, like through Griffith Park and up and down mountains, um, just for the heck of it every day, um, wow. just so that I I would maintain my strength and and um, my boldness. Wow. <laughs> And, and and I would do like TV specials and things where people would be sitting around and and like, you know, working with Tony Stevens, a great friend of mine, doing Mary Tyler Moore show or whatever. And, and we would be doing nothing. And so I would be doing a little class myself over on the side. Um, and Tony would come in and say, listen, I got you a studio next door that you can go and work out in because you're upsetting the other dancers i was like oh, oh my god oh god yeah so <laughs> so i didn't work a whole lot in la you know new york was really my home and my and, and it's still where where i love to go in and teach and mm. the last class i taught in new york before the covid thing went down i taught at broadway dance center and and i had 69 students pack in to learn steam heat Wow. Fossey himself, you know, that we did in Shirley McLean show. And so that was like amazing. Wow. What are your truths in this business? Um, I, I think dependability and honesty and just good old fashioned hard work. I mean, um, I think that will get you over most humps and, um, and 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 just be sweet, you know. Just be pleasant and sweet about it all. Uh, Thank I, you for saying that. That's great. And besides Fosse and McLean, um, who is the person most sensitive to your needs in this business, or who was the person most sensitive to your needs in this business? Um. Well, after I left the business, I mean, it, it became my wife, certainly, and my family. Yes. Um, but up up to then, it it was really just my own independence. I mean, I I really was kind of a loner in in a lot of ways. Um, and once I knew the path that I was on, uh, I I stuck with it, and I didn't need very much encouragement encouragement or help from anyone. I just 
um, I just knew what I was supposed to be doing and, and just did it. And besides dance, do you take time out for yourself just to get away from everything for Gary time? Every day, every day. I mean, I have four wonderful grandsons. Oh, here. good for you. Oh my God. So I, Are I, any of them dancers? Uh, no, no. My, my young grandson um, from my, my daughter, uh, she, um, he, he's a hockey star already. And so I take him to a lot of his hockey practices and games and things. And um, no, uh, they're, I, I didn't push either of my kids into it. They're, they're both wonderful uh, careers on, on their own. And um, the same for the grandkids. I mean, um, I'd love to see these guys dance because the opportunities are still there. But far be it from me. Uh-uh. Good for you. I asked you a moment ago about your, what are your truths. Um, have there been any lies in this business that you want to dispel? Um, not really. I, I think those that know me and work with worked with me um, realized the the truth about me and my work and and my goodness. And uh, I uh, I followed that, you know, to the letter. And um, I, I think that it, it, it helped a lot of younger people that I ended up working with uh, in a lot of ways. Um, uh, I got in trouble once in a while from, you know, saying what <laughs> I thought about things, but um, to management, but uh, you know, it was, it was really just minor issues, usually. And this is my last question tonight. How do you nip it in the bud when you're having a bad day? Uh, drink. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. Okay, we're going to give away uh, a copy no, of I really don't, but anyway. Uh, no. Well, whatever works. Uh, right. We're going to, uh, dancing <laughs> in the light. Uh, and of course, you you thank you for dancing in the light tonight uh, with me. And uh, if uh, and if Shirley, uh, Natasha, thank you. I will put you uh, in touch with each other so you can send her an autographed picture, uh, and uh, and I will send you a copy of the book, Natasha. So thank you. And uh, if you are still in touch with Shirley, thank her for me for all the gifts that she's given to the world. And that she continues to give. Continue. Um, Amazing. Yeah. And uh, just, I just absolutely thank her. And Gary, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for the gifts that you've given to the world. And you've given me an incredible gift tonight. Um, full disclosure, everyone. Gary reached out to me last week and said he'd love to come on the show. And that meant the world to me. So thank you, Gary, for reaching out to me. Uh, you truly epitomize uh, dependability. And I understand uh, how you got the name Bull. Uh, I think I'm going to go and watch all that jazz again tonight uh, and celebrate you all over again. Uh, I want to thank everybody who showed up tonight. Um, Gary, I'm going to give you the final word in just a moment. Uh, I want to thank everybody who showed up tonight. 
Um, I know that I can speak for Gary when I say this. We don't take it lightly when you show up. So thank you for being here. Thank you all for being dependable uh, tonight uh, and always with me. Um, I always end every show, as you all know, uh, by telling everyone to go out and do something nice for somebody else without expecting anything in return. Um, tonight, it's Book Lovers Day. So the book, uh, Dancing in the Light, or any of Shirley's books, are all available on Amazon.com. Uh, go to Amazon.com and order two copies of Dancing in the Light. Keep one for yourself and send one to the fifth friend that pops up on Facebook. And then reach out to that fifth friend with a phone call. Not an email message, not a text message, not a private inbox message, but a phone call. And let that person know what they mean to you. As my dear friend, Sean Moniker always says, we're all in this together, but we're not in the same boat. And I always say, may we all be dancing in the light together. And if you're gonna go out in that boat, make sure you bring a skipper along. So right. Gary, I'm gonna leave the screen and I'm gonna give you the final word. Anything you wanna say about anything that we talked about tonight that you wanna build upon, anything that we didn't talk about that you wish we had, or just any final message you wanna leave everyone with tonight, don't worry about how to end the show. As soon as you say goodbye, the final credits will roll. Thank you, and you're welcome here anytime. Have a good night. Thank you. Thank you. What a wonderful opportunity. Um, and I just want to uh, finish by saying that I'm about to witness uh, all that jazz for the first time on a large screen this Sunday uh, here in Tampa. They're having a showing, and I'm going to go and, and talk about the film afterwards and probably do a few dance steps. But it's very exciting. I ended up having no time to see the film. Uh, I, I do have copies of uh, the Blu-ray versions that I've seen on my little home computer and what have you, but this will actually be the first time I see it on a big screen and it's very exciting. Bob Fosse was a genius and, and uh, I'm so proud and so lucky to have, have worked with him and, um, Thank you all for for having me, for uh, listening to me, and for working with this wonderful Richard Skipper. and And God bless him and and all that he that he does and continues. Um, amen. Thank you so much. Adios. <laughs>